We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Good morning, Hope Church. So good to be with you guys this morning. Aren't you glad we get to worship Jesus together? I was just thinking, talking with my wife, that it's actually been exactly one year ago, last year, that we had to shut our church down for about two and a half months. And so it just makes me feel so grateful that we get to be here together. There's nothing like doing this in person. And, and even in saying that, we realize that there are many of you still watching online and through that season began to join the Hope Church family online. And so we just wanna take a moment. Can we give it up for those people who are joining online? We wanna welcome you. And then also, um, I want to give a huge, big shout out and say hello to your brothers and sisters in Eureka. We love you guys. We're so grateful that you're joining us today. And uh, I got to hang out with Pastor Jeremy uh, this weekend as him and I went to the advanced conference in Billings. And I got to share a little bit of my story. And we got to hang out, had a great time with him. And I'm so grateful that you guys get to join us, and, and I believe that God has something specific for you and for those of you online, as well as those of us in the room. So we're in week two of a, a message series we started last week called Jesus, Friend of Sinners. And as we lead up into Easter, uh, what an amazing message series, even for me personally, as I've, I've dug into scripture and reading uh, accounts in the gospel of Jesus and, and his heart for people. And it's just, uh, it's been getting in my heart and it's pre been preparing my heart for Easter and for those who may not be a part of the family of God. And I hope it's, it's gonna do the same, I hope that has the same effect on you. Um, I, I hope this message series really challenges us as a church family to really um, allow the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, to see the people that are around us that God has placed in our life strategically and on purpose and placed the church here in this community. I have a conviction that the church is called to change and transform the community in which it's placed. And, and we get to bring the hope of Jesus to people in here, in Eureka. And so I'm just so excited about what God is doing in our church today. We're going to um, lean into another story, another amazing, incredible encounter that Jesus had with this man that really was broken. He was lost, um, was trying to fix himself, trying to overcompensate from some shortcomings in his life. And so we're going to take a look at a passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, if you can turn there with me. If you have your Bibles, wonderful. If not, we're going to have the scriptures right on the screen for you. Luke chapter 19. Can, we, can you do me a favor? I, I think there's something about honoring the Word of God. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet for the reading of the Word of God? And Eureka, you just join us if you're home. That might be a little awkward in your living room, but you know what? Um, it's okay. Chapter 19, it says this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore uh, fig tree uh, to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot... He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to murmur, He has gone to be with the guest of a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood up, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man, this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. The son of man came to seek and save the lost. Father God, we come before you this morning. We thank you for your word, God. We thank you for your word that uh, changes us, that challenges us, 
that opens our eyes to be able to see you who, for who you really are. God, I pray today that your word would go forth and it would accomplish what you desire in all of us. God, I pray that you would not let us leave here today without being changed, without us being challenged, without us being convicted. And Father, so I pray for every single person that's here in the room. Do me a favor, put your hand on your heart. God, I pray for every single person here in the room, and I pray for those watching online, and I pray for those in Eureka. God, I pray that you would use this word, use the message that you put on my heart to transform us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And now, God, would you, would you pray with me, church, for our country, for our nation? Father God, we lift up the great states of the United States of America to you. Father, we thank you that we get to live in this amazing country, the, the home of the free, uh, the land of the brave. Um, God, we thank you that uh, you founded this country, that this country was founded on you. Its roots are in you and in your word. And so, God, we pray that once again that you would sweep over this nation, Draw men and women's heart back to you, God. Father, we repent on behalf of our nation, and we ask you to forgive us, God, from wandering from you, from straying for you. God, we pray that revival would break out. God, let it begin with us. Let it begin with your church. Let it begin right here in little Kalispell, Montana, Eureka, Montana, the Flathead Valley, the Tobacco Valley, in the great state of Montana. Father, we lift up President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris to you, God. We pray that they would know you, God, that really know you, that they would be surrounded with godly men and women who would give them godly counsel to lead our country back to you. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. You may have a seat. You may have a seat. The title of my message to you this morning is called Seeing Jesus. Seeing Jesus. Now, I know a guy who uh, saw this movie called Teledega Nights. Um, I specify I know a guy. Um, I don't necessarily recommend watching that movie. But there's a scene in that movie where they're about to eat a meal around the dinner table, and it's really awkward because uh, they're asking each other, who wants to say grace? And, um, and the, Will Ferrell, one of the main characters, he says, uh, you know, when I like to pray, he prays this prayer, and he starts off by saying, sweet baby Jesus. He's southern. He's in the south, deep south, and, and he prays to Jesus in this, like, you know, he talks about sweet baby Jesus, and then afterwards, he says, I like, I like to see my Jesus like a baby. You know, I don't like to see Jesus on the cross. I like, I like sweet baby Jesus, and then uh, the other guy, you know, with him says, I like, I, I picture my Jesus like he's at a Leonard, uh, Leonard Skinner party, and he's a uh, concert, and he's just rocking out in the front row with me, you know, and, and the point is, like, we all have these ideas about who Jesus is. Like, we all want to see, we all see um, Jesus the way that we kind of want to see him, the way that we grew up understanding who Jesus is, and we all have these ideas and pictures in our head of, of who Jesus is, and, and, and we're going to see in, in this uh, story this morning how Jesus walks into the life of this man named Zacchaeus, this man who is, is broken, he's hated by the people, he, and, and I'm guessing there's a part of him that really doesn't like himself. And he's heard about the stories of Jesus. No doubt by now that he's heard about the stories of Jesus. He's heard about how he's healed people and how, how he, uh, they, they brought a woman caught in adultery and threw him at his feet. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, were constantly uh, mocking Jesus and, and challenging Jesus because he was constantly reaching out to people who were broken and lost and outcasts of society, the marginalized, the, the, the lonely the ones that in, in, I would imagine in our day and age, the addicted, the prisoners, the, the porn addicts, the, the prostitutes, all these people that, that Jesus was eating with and, and being around and, and meeting in their place of brokenness. And he was constantly being chastised and challenged of this. And, um, and we see in this story that, that this man Zacchaeus, he, he wants to see who Jesus really is. He longs to, to see what this man really is all about and get a glimpse, see for himself who he really is. He heard the stories. He heard the stories of how he healed people that were blind. He, healed the, he heard the stories of people that were possessed by a demon, how, how he set them free and, 
And, and before, they, they couldn't control themselves and they were just in a dark place. And now they were happy and free and living this joyous life. No doubt there were people that were lame that couldn't walk and he heard the stories of how he touched them miraculously and they began to walk. All these stories he heard him teach about the love of God. And yet, he wanted to see Jesus for himself. He knew, I gotta I got somehow get to this man. I gotta see what he's all about. And Jesus, even himself, would say there was a period when Jesus showed up as a baby in the manger and came, he broke through 400 years of silence, 400 years of, of people forgetting what God looked like. They got into this religious rut in this religious system where, where they began living by a set of religious rules that, 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 that kept them feeling safe because if I just do enough good things, I'll be accepted by God, I'll be approved by God, and I'll, I'll be accepted by other people. And then Jesus shows up and he says, I, I only do what I see the Father doing. And so what he sees God doing and he, what, what he sees and, and, and he takes God's heart and he comes and he breaks through heaven and he comes to earth and he begins to show people and remind them what God really looks like because they've forgotten. And us too, if we're not careful, even those of us who have who've been blessed enough to, to experience and encounter God and to, to see God show up in our lives in miraculous ways, and, and even maybe some of you, God has healed you miraculously and set some of you free from addiction and different things and healed broken marriages. If we're not careful, we can lose sight over time of who Jesus really is. And this man, Zacchaeus, the Bible says that he's short in stature. And many of you, you know, if you, if you grew up in a, a vacation Bible school or in Sunday school, you remember Zacchaeus, a wee little man, is he? He wanted to see, you know the song. Come on, help me out here, people. I grew up in the Catholic church. We didn't sing songs like that. And, um, and so Zacchaeus, he has to fight through the crowd because he's short in stature. He's not a big man. And so you can imagine that he starts off and he hears the, because now, by now, Jesus is famous. I mean, his fame has reached Jerusalem, gone beyond, and, and the word is out. And there were crowds, it said, that were crowd around Jesus to the point where he was like, I mean, it was like a rock star, man. There's like mobs that followed Jesus everywhere he went. And the disciples sometimes would have to gather around him to keep the crowds from pressing in on him. And, and here's this scene where Zacchaeus he wants to see this man Jesus for himself. And yet, there's people in the way, and he's got to fight through the crowds and push his way. You can imagine people bumping into people and shoving people, literally, to get to this tree. And he decides, there's no way I'm going to be able to see over people. So I've got to figure something out. And I love the innovation of the man. He's like, I'm going to just climb up a tree so I can, I can see Jesus for myself. And he climbs up this tree. And he's sitting there, and you could imagine Jesus coming around the corner. And I love that the Bible says, when Jesus came to the spot, there was a certain place. When Jesus got to, he knew, I want to look up at this man, and they catch eyes. But I want to talk to you for a second. There's a couple of things that when I read this passage of Scripture that stuck out to me. And the first one is this. And you see this theme all throughout the Gospels that, that people, just like last week when I talked about the woman um, that, that was a prostitute that busts into this, this dinner party and she comes to the feet of Jesus and has this amazing encounter with Jesus that changes and transforms her life forever. There's this common thread between people who have encounters with Jesus in the Gospels that change their life, and that's this. Those who are determined to see Jesus find him. Those who are determined to see Jesus find him. Now think about this for a minute. Zacchaeus could have just like given up easily, said, well, and he could have settled for catching a glimpse of Jesus through the crowd. Maybe he catches a peekaboo view of Jesus, and maybe that satisfies him. Maybe that's enough. But, but there's something in, in Zacchaeus that is determined to get to Jesus. I think this is the problem sometimes in, in our lives today and in, in Christianity today. And for those of you maybe who are here that, that you've heard about this man, Jesus, you've heard about him, 
but you want to see him for yourself, and so you show up to a church like this on a Sunday, or you, you, you're scrolling through Facebook, and you happen to see uh, Hope Church Online, and so you click on the link, and, and you're hoping maybe just to get, catch a glimpse of Jesus. But I'm telling you, I think we, we approach seeing Jesus way too lackadaisical. We settle for just getting a glimpse of Jesus, and yet... The reality is, is we were never meant and designed. There's something inside of us that longs to see God for who he really is. Not who we think he is. Not who we've been told who he is. Not how we, we've even seen Christians. This is why people get messed up because in the church, leaders, pastors like me, we fail. We don't measure up. We have moral failures and then people look at it and say, man, if that's what God looks like, I don't really know that I want any part of that. And you're only catching a glimpse. And those who are determined to see Jesus, they find him. This is a, a thread. If you seek me with all your heart, then you will find me. It's actually a promise in the Bible. And so none of us have an excuse. Just like Zacchaeus, he had every excuse. He could have been a victim. I'm too short. I'm too fat. I don't know. I, I couldn't push my way enough through the crowd. I couldn't get up that tree. Too many of us, man, Pastor Lance, I would have came to church, but you know... I had this, that, or, you know, I'm really tired. I want to sleep in. And, and the reason we're not seeing Jesus and the reason we're not encountering him in the power and the fullness of the resurrection life is because we've settled for catching a glimpse of Jesus. But we haven't been determined to see him in his fullness. The great apostle Paul, he said it like this in Philippians 3.10. This is the amplified version. He said, it's for my determined purpose. He was determined his one determined purpose in life. He said, if I don't do anything else with my life, this is the one thing that I know I have to get right. This is the one thing that I know that I can't settle for a brand of Christianity while where I kind of come to church and I kind of read my Bible and I kind of go through the motions of, of, of living the Christian life. But the reason that I'm not experiencing the fullness of the resurrection life and power of Jesus is because I've settled for a glimpse of him when Jesus said, no, that's not how you're going to experience and encounter the fullness of who I am. And Paul said, I'm de my determined purpose is that I may know him. And this word know in the Greek is the word gnoskos. It doesn't mean to know about him. Don't settle for hearing secondhand from somebody about Jesus. Don't settle for, for, for coming to church and hearing a preacher tell you about Jesus. Don't settle for going on a podcast and listening to somebody tell you about Jesus. This is, I know you intimately. I know you experientially. I know you for myself. And Zacchaeus wasn't settling for secondhand knowledge and secondhand stories about other, other people encountering Jesus. Zacchaeus was determined to see Jesus for himself in the fullness of who he was. Paul said, that I may know him, that I may progressively and more become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know, listen to this, you got to get this, as we see him, we get to know him progressively more and more, and as we progressively get to know him more and more, as we see him for who he is, that the same way to come to know the power outflowing from the resurrection which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share in his sufferings to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death in the hope. And this is just an amazing thing. We have to be determined to see Jesus. If we're going to see him, we have to be determined to see him. Um, but here's the problem. The problem is this. I believe there are two things and this isn't limited, but I believe there are two things that, that get in the way. For us, we, we don't see Jesus for who he really is. And why is that? I believe out of this story, there's two things that, that I believe that we can learn from. First, the first one was a visible thing. It was the crowd. The crowd was getting in the way of Zacchaeus seeing Jesus for who he is. And, and you might not be in a crowd this morning, but... I believe that there are things that crowd our life. The busyness of, of life, um, social media, Facebook, entertainment, pleasure. 
you, you name it, Netflix, there are so many things that we allow into our life that crowd out being able to see Jesus for who he really is. And we could get so caught up even in, in doing good things for God. God, I'm doing good. And we could be so busy that we forget that we need time to just see Jesus, to be with Jesus, to be transformed by Jesus' love, by being transformed by his grace. In the resurrection life, we have things crowding us. In Mark 4 and 19, in the, new, the, the living Bible, it says this, but all, all too quickly, the attractions of this world and the delights of wealth and this was a problem for Zacchaeus. You see, he was a very, very wealthy man. He was, he was a chief tax collector. Now let me pause there. If you guys can just hold that scripture there for a second. That meant that he was a tax collector of all tax collectors. And, and for those of us today, we don't have a, a grid for what this really means. But let me, let me put it in context for you. In Jewish culture, the Jews were not free. They were under Roman, uh, the Roman Empire. They were the government that was over, they had overtook uh, Israel, and they were ruling over that government. Now, tax collectors were Jewish people who took a position within the Roman government to collect taxes for Rome from their own people. This man was considered a traitor by his own people, an outcast, hated, probably spit on but became very wealthy because what they would do is they wouldn't just, the way they made money is they didn't just collect taxes. <laughs> like, this is a really bad IRS agent. They didn't just collect what you owed. They actually skimmed off the top and they collected more than what you owed. And this is how they became wealthy. And so this is, Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief that means he was probably over a slew of tax collectors, and this man accumulated a lot of wealth. And, and in Mark, he's trying to get this across to us that, that these are things, wealth, possessions, the attraction of this world, the things in this world, they're constantly trying to crowd out and blind us and prevent us from really seeing Jesus for who he is. But all too quickly, the attractions of this world and the delights of wealth and the search for success and the lore for nice things come in and crowd out God's message from their hearts so that no crop is produced. And this is why for many of us, some of you, you may even feel like giving up on the Christian faith because you have said, I man, I've tried this Christianity thing and it's just, it's just not working for me. I'm not seeing the fruit in my life. And the reason that you're not seeing the fruit in your, in your life is because all these things are crowding out. God plants his word in you. You could come to a service like this. God can touch you in an amazing way and you can leave this place and just step back into your, your own world and, and have all these things Nice things, good things in life, things that aren't even necessarily bad or evil, but, but, but they're good things, but good be can become a bad thing when it begins to crowd out the life of God in you. And we don't continually see Jesus and let his life pour into us to, to water that word and to let, let it come forth, let, let the life of God come more forth out of us. We were never meant to get a peek at Jesus. We were meant to see him face to face. For who he is. So here, here's what I want to tell you. Those who stay in the crowd get lost in the crowd. Those who stay in the crowd get lost in the crowd. And, and here you have Zacchaeus. He makes his way up to this tree and Jesus, when he gets to the spot, it says he turns to him and he calls him down. He calls him by name and he calls him down. It reminds me of that scripture in, in, in 1 Peter 2, 9 where it says that you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's chosen people, that we may proclaim the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And Jesus, he sees the Zacchaeus and he knows him and he sees his pain and he calls him, he calls him down. The second thing that I've gleaned from this, past, this passage of scripture is this. Grace came down for those who don't measure up. Grace came down for those who don't measure up. You see, can you imagine Zacchaeus all his life being a short man? Could you imagine going to grade school? It, it, that's a rough go, man. When you're, you, when you're a kid and when you're growing up and you're shorter than everybody else, no doubt 
Zacchaeus got made fun of. No doubt Zacchaeus got picked on. And so he grows up and he's got, he's got the, this wound where all his life he feels like, I'll, I'll never measure up. I'll never be able to, to do things other people will do. And actually, even in my own life, probably one of my greatest fears is that I'll never be enough. I'll never be enough. I'll never be a, I'll never be a good enough son of God. I'll never be a good enough pastor. I'll never be a good enough husband. I'll never be a good enough father. I'll never be a good enough friend. I'll never be a good enough leader. Innately in all of us, there's something inside of us that, that, that we all have this fear. I'll never measure up. I'll never have enough. And we, and we look at our, our own spiritual life and we look at our own weaknesses and we look at our strengths and and I think for a lot of us, whether we recognize it or not, or we admit it or not, for, for a lot of us, we're trying to measure up to God. We're trying to like do enough right, good things. We're trying, to, we're trying to perform. We're trying to live this life and follow Jesus the best way we can. And at the end of the day, we kind of look back at our day and yeah, I did some good things today. And we get out our measuring stick and say, did I do enough good? Did I do bad? And how did I measure up? And does God accept me? And does, does he love me? And do, was this enough? Am I enough? And no doubt that Zacchaeus, all his life, was, was trying to measure up. And I think for a lot of us, what that means is we try to overcompensate for our shortcomings. We know we have weaknesses. We know I'll never measure up. I'll never measure up as a, as a, as a, as a, as a mother, as a, as a wife. And so what do we do? We do what Zacchaeus did. He, he overcompensated. He said, you know what? I'm going to show them. I'm going I'm to be successful. I'm going to be rich. And he took this job as a chief tax clerk. And no doubt he, he came up through the ranks. He was driven. He was motivated. He got up every day and, and, and his, his motivation was, I'm going to show people that, that I, I'm better than this. Yeah, they might have made fun of me back in high school, but they're going to one day look at me now and look at my nice house and look at my beautiful car and look at my beautiful family and look at my bank account and come on, how you like me now? And we may not be in that position, but I think there's a tendency in all of us, we, we overcompensate. Because even in myself, I, I recognize that same thing, that, that fear of I'm never enough. And, and I love to study. And, and I always, my mom ingrained in me when, you know, go to college, get a degree, do something with your head. And, and so I always, to, to, for me, my value was I'm going to be smarter than the next. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study. I'm going to know things. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. And I think I'm a pretty smart guy. And, and then even, but then the reality of, of our weakness, even, even when we try to overcompensate, is right there. This, this past weekend, as I mentioned already, I was at a, a, a conference in Billings. We're, we're part of a network called Advance in Montana and with some other pastors. And I got the honor to, to speak a little bit and share some of my story with some of these other pastors. And um, and they give you this little gift box. And, and so that night, after the first night, I'm back in my room and I'm going in the gift box to see, you know, what's in there. And, and I can barely get the ribbon off. I'm like, come on, really? Like, this isn't that hard. It's just a ribbon. You pull it, but I pull it and it doesn't come apart and there's a knot there. And I'm like, you know, like, somebody just give me some scissors. I want to get into this box and see what's in here. And finally, I get into the box and um, there's, you know, some goodies in there. They, there's some Stroopin waffles. You know what those are? Like those little wild caramel. Mmm, so good. Some homemade caramel, some really nice coffee, and there's all these treats in there. And then there's this little bar in there, and, and I pick it up, and I'm like, ooh, because it's, it's late at night. I'm kind of feeling like a little treat. And it, it says Mountain Mocha on the, on the wrapper or on the packaging. And so I look at it, and it looks like this piece of fudge or this marble. It's like white, and it's got like swirls of chocolate. And I'm like, wow, this looks amazing. And I, I pick it up, I take it out of the box, and I'm going to literally get, take a bite out of this thing and check it out. And I'm, as I pick it up, I'm like, this has got a weird texture. I wonder, I wonder if this is like a gluten-free brownie or something like, or vegan, or I don't know, you know, something like that. And, and I realized like, no, this is a little too dense for that. And I look back at the package and it says soap on it. And I'm like, what? I'm like, oh my gosh, that could have gone really, really, really wrong. I'm like, I think I'm a smart guy, but then I'm going to get a bite into a bar of soap. And the reality is, is my weakness is right in front of me. Like, we're all like that, right? We try to overcompensate. And yet, you know, for, for Zacchaeus, he was trying to overcompensate and he was trying to overcome. What he was trying to overcome is, was the wounds 
that were inside of him, the darkness. Now, we don't, we don't know a whole lot about this man, but I could imagine that as he walked in public, oftentimes he would be mocked and spit on, treated, treated like absolute scum of the earth. You're a traitor. I, I would imagine people even threw rocks at him and put dust on him, treated him like an outcast every single day. I can imagine that the, the wounds and, and the, he start to identify and let, let, let the words that were spoken of him, I can imagine them even saying, you're not even a true son of Abraham, meaning that you're not even really, you can't even call yourself a Jew anymore. So his own people just pushed him away. I can imagine the wounds in, in, his, in his soul that not only was he trying to overcompensate for, but now he was trying to overcome. And I don't know what his personal life was, but I could tell you that for many of us, we're living most of our life trying to overcome the wounds that we've been inflicted on us. And we don't know how to do that. Just like Zacchaeus didn't know how to do that. And we get into these dark places where to try to overcome the pain, the hurt from our sin and for the sin of other people, we turn to things like alcohol. We turn to things like drugs. We turn to things like pornography. And over time, there's these, these walls that begin to build up in our heart that begin to separate us and to blind us from seeing Jesus, to be touched by his love and to be touched by his grace. And, and Jesus said, he said that he was grace. I am grace. I am truth. I am life. He came down from heaven. He busted through the wall of heaven to come to earth. And he keeps busting down the walls that we have in our heart to come to us over and over and over again. There's a beautiful picture of this. After Jesus was resurrected and the disciples are kind of holed up in this, in this uh, room, this upper room, and, and they've locked the doors and they're freaked out and afraid because they think the, the Romans are going to come and get them and crucify them too. So they're scared. They're running for their lives. And Jesus is now resurrected. And some of the disciples have seen him, but not all of them. And, and in John uh, chapter 20, Jesus, it says that they're, all of a sudden he's standing there in the room. Like he appears to them. And they see Jesus. He was dead. They, they don't know. Is he resurrected? I've heard rumors. Other people have seen him, but we haven't seen him. And he, and he busts through the wall of that room. And he shows up. And these disciples see him. And their deepest, darkest fears turn into joy. And they're freed just from seeing Jesus. You're really alive. Because you're alive. I can be alive. And it's in our darkness, just like in Zacchaeus, it's in our darkness that drives us to Jesus. It's his love that calls us out. It's his love that calls us out. It's our darkness. Zacchaeus' darkness drove him to Jesus. But it was his love that called him out. It was his grace that called him out. And Jesus shows up in the middle of this room. He busted through the walls. He shows up, and there's one of the disciples that's not there. There's one disciple that doesn't get to see Jesus. And it's the one disciple that heard all about him being resurrected. And somehow he doesn't believe it in his own heart. His name was Thomas. And I love that Jesus comes back for the one. I love that Jesus stopped and, and called Zacchaeus out. Zacchaeus can never rise up to, to Jesus' standards, so Jesus calls him down to him because Jesus came down to show him grace. And it says in John 20 that seven or eight days later, Jesus breaks through the wall again, and he comes back just so Thomas can see him. Because Thomas told the disciples, he said, look, they said, we've seen Jesus. And Thomas says, you know what? You might have seen him, but I won't believe it until I see the wounds in his hands. And I could put my finger in his side where the spear went into. Until I see it with my own eyes, I won't believe it. And so Jesus, knowing that he needed to have this encounter with him, that he needed to see his resurrection life and power, he busts through the wall of his unbelief and his doubt and his fears, just like God wants to bust in right now into through the walls that you, we've built up in our heart and around our heart of unbelief and fear and anxiety and addiction and all these things. And he busts through and he says, Thomas, put your finger. See? See my wounds. It reminds me of Isaiah that says that by his wounds we are healed. And Thomas has this encounter where he sees for himself 
And it heals his wounded, broken heart. And the, the walls of his heart of unbelief come down in a moment. And he says, my God. He has this revelation that Jesus loves him and came for him. And, and just for him. So we could be in a service like this and we could say this for other people. But yet the Holy Spirit is coming right to you. And knows exactly the walls and the hurts and the wounds and the things that you've encountered in your life. And Jesus comes to you and he wants to break through the wall of your heart and remind you, see these wounds. I took these, these wounds for you so that you could be healed of every wound that you have. The next thing that Jesus does, when he calls, he, he gets to the spot and he looks up and he calls and he says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. And he uses his name, Zacchaeus. And could you imagine Zacchaeus, what he's thinking, what he's going through right now? How in the world did you know my name? I've never met you. I don't have a little name tag that I came to the conference and put on with my Sharpie so that you would know my name. I don't have it tattooed on my arm. None of that. How did you know my name? There's there's a reason, I believe, that Jesus calls him by his name. I'm sure Zacchaeus had been called lots of names. Most of them, not good. But, but Jesus restores our lost identity. Jesus restores our lost identity. Look at it in verse 9 and 10. It says this, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too, look at what he says, this man too is a son of Abraham. Too many of his own people said, you're not a son of Abraham. You're not, even, you're not even good enough to be called a Jew anymore. You're a traitor. You're scum. Look at you. And, and over, this is what happens to many of us. Our sin and the sins of other people and the words that have been spoken over to you, over time, what happens is we start to believe lies about ourselves. We start to believe what other people have said to us, who we are, what we can do, what we can't do, the limitations, and we try to overcompensate for them, but deep inside we believe them. We believe the lies. You're just, just like Jacob, you're a liar. That's who you are. You'll never be anything different. Too many of you, you have, you have labels that have been stuck on you by the enemy that you believed over time. You're an adulterer. You're a porn addict. You're an addict. You're scum. You're nothing. You're worthless. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You'll never measure up to God's standards. He'll never approve you. He'll never, he'll never uh, love you. Because of all these things in your life that nobody even knows about. And, and for many of us, what happens is, just like for myself, as through, through I grew up and my parents were divorced at an early age, and they separated, and I couldn't understand for years, why? Why wasn't I good enough? Why, why did you allow me to bounce from family member to family member? And I grew up that way, and I didn't understand what, what's wrong with me. Something must be wrong with me. Why don't you want me? Why don't you love me? And so I had this gaping wound in my heart that I guess I'm not enough and I'll never be enough. And Zacchaeus, in his darkest moment, I, I know he had to be there. Maybe he was depressed, I don't know. I don't know what was going on in his heart, but I know whatever it was, it drove him to desperation that I need to see this Jesus and maybe there's something about him that he'll see me for, for who I really am. And, and, and Jesus calls him Zacchaeus. Do you know what Zacchaeus me, name means? Zacchaeus' name means pure. It means innocent. And Jesus said, I've came. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And many of us, even in this room and watching online in Eureka, you might be saved, but you could still be lost. And Jesus came to restore Zacchaeus lost identity and to call him out. And we're gonna, we're gonna watch a, a video about a man who struggled with his identity and how Jesus restored his lost identity and, and healed the void in his heart. So I grew up as a, as a missionary kid for about 10 years. Um, my parents were in the ministry and I was raised in that. Um, 
but the entire time I was grown up in this and, and living my life, um, I never felt a sense of worth. I never felt a sense of value or accomplishment. Um, it was really challenging for me. Basically, I never felt that I was loved. I never um, was told that I was good at anything. I was never affirmed. So at a young age, like 14, somewhere in there, um, my parents got divorced and it was a pretty heavy thing to go through for me and my sister. Um, unfortunately, we were both kind of in the middle of that. It just compounded the, the identity issues that I had, it it, the struggles of, of purpose and identity, um, who I was as a person, as a young, just starting to be a young man, I had no idea what that meant. Um, and I looked for that and other things, and, and uh, which led to addictions to pornography and things uh, of that nature. Um, what I was trying to do was fill the void in my life, fill that emptiness, fill um, just a sense of purpose, a sense of belonging. I, you know, someone please care about me. That's kind of what that was coming from. I thought once I graduated high school that I could find that in doing something. So I joined the Navy um, and did that for seven years and thought that that would be like the best time of my life. I made a lot of mistakes. I made you know decisions um, to continue further in addiction. I started going partying and started drinking a lot. Um, really deep down it was just to fill that void of not good enough or not accepted or not um, who am I? I had no idea what that meant. Eventually I got sent to Afghanistan, did a tour over there and I came back and um, from this crazy experience as you can imagine being in a war zone and, and getting shot at and all kinds of stuff and ended up developing PTSD and, and struggling with that for about a year and tried to get, wouldn't talk about it because you know you're not trained to talk about it you're not supposed to talk about it um, I didn't even really know what it was I just knew that I had an issue with with depression and 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 thoughts of I didn't want to be here anymore I didn't want to be alive and um, I remember very clearly seven years ago February 2014 sitting in my apartment and going yeah this this is it this is the day I don't want to be alive anymore um, that's what I felt when I woke up that's what I felt going into work get home and my plan was I'm just gonna drink myself to oblivion like I don't care if I die I don't care if I have alcohol poisoning I don't care if I never wake up again and I'm just on the floor dead that was that was my spot in life and I remember grabbing the bottle and getting about an inch away from my face and all of a sudden I heard a voice speak to me in my apartment and it said Ben I don't want you to do this and it kind of freaked me out a little bit because it was just me in the apartment. I'm looking around and I said, who the bad word is talking to me? <laughs> and uh, the voice said, it's me, it's Jesus. And I love you so much and I want you to, to step into missions. And it was like I had this wave upon wave upon wave of just the revelation of God's love for me. Um, I'd never experienced it before. I didn't know what it meant. I was a, a Christian in quotation marks only. Um, but I was not living that lifestyle. I, you know, I, I was addicted to drinking, to pornography, to areas of lust, things like that nature. And man, for God to love me in, in that deepest, darkest moment of my life was was unimaginable to me. But I know that I had heard this voice. I, I know that it was real. And so I, I felt so compelled um, to do what it said. I got up on my computer and I Googled, you know, how do I join YWAM um, in Australia? July of that year is when I started that, and, and that's when I first encountered God, first encountered his, his real, genuine Father Heart love for me as an individual. And it wasn't performance-based, it wasn't works-based. I mean, he loved me in my darkest moment, and he loved me where I was at. I have a verse that's tattooed on my arm, and it's something that he spoke to me uh, in that time. Um, it says, it's Matthew 3.17, and it says, and behold, a voice came out of the heavens, saying, This is my beloved Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And that's a verse that God spoke to me, um, even when I didn't believe it, even when I didn't. I was like, God, I, I'm just a, I'm a nobody. How can you love me? But he spoke that same verse that he spoke to Jesus when Jesus came out after his baptism. And um, for him to reach down and, and pull me out of that darkness when nobody else could or would was incredible and it's just why one of the many reasons why I follow him you know nothing else other than if there was nothing else I could do other than be loved by him and love him in return then I think my life is complete even if you don't feel it even if you think you don't deserve it even if you're not even aware of it he still loves you 
if he could reach down and say that to me and, and pull me out of that darkness and, and pull me out of the suicide and pull me out of the addictions and the drinking and all the habits and, and say, Ben, I love you and, and change my life, then he can do it for anybody. Whether or not you've had a good father or a good mother or a bad father or a bad mother, he still loves you and he is a good father and his love is never ending and it will never cease. Come on, I love that story of how Ben encountered Jesus and really saw him for who he is, and, and which leads me to my last point as we close, that seeing Jesus changes me. When I really see Jesus for who he really is, I can not help but be changed. Now, we don't know what took place. The Bible doesn't tell us explicitly what happened when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house. There's, there's this little bit of a break in between the encounter where Jesus calls him by name and calls him down. And he calls him and he says, immediately, right now, I want you to come down and I must stay at your house. I must come and eat with you. And, um, and then there's this break and we see in the next scene, something has changed in Zacchaeus. He went from this greedy man, this, this man who accumulated wealth and he was all about that and, and he was greedy even taking from people and something shifts, something changes in his heart as he's been around Jesus and sat across the table from Jesus and we don't even know what Jesus said and I don't even know that Jesus had to say anything but there's something just about being with Jesus that changes us. Just seeing him, just looking in his eyes and looking in the eyes of love and looking in the eyes of grace and, and just the way that Jesus treated him and, and, and looked at him and being with him. It reminds me, I was listening to this podcast and, and there was this uh, pastor of a, of a Catholic church and every single day around noon, he noticed that this Hispanic man would, would just, was just sit there every single day without fail around noon for about an hour he, he would come probably on his lunch break and he would just just sit there and so one day the pastor went up to him and and asked him he said so you know what are, what are you doing here like i've noticed you you've been here several times what's what's going on and he said he said i don't know he said uh, i sit down and i say jesus it's one and i sit there and jesus says back to me Juan, it's Jesus. And we just sit together. And we just be together. I'm just with God and in, in his presence. And I need it. Over the years, this, is, this practice has just changed me. And this is the essence of what it means to be Christians. The whole reason why Jesus came to seek and save what was lost. This, what was lost was this relationship with God where, where, where humanity forgot what God looked like. And yet we were created in his image and his likeness. And, and no doubt Zacchaeus had heard about him. No doubt some of you, you've heard about Jesus. Some of you online, some of you in Eureka. It's when Jesus busts through the darkness and the, and the brokenness and the walls in our heart. that we see him for who he really is. We can encounter him. Job said it like this in Job 42.5. He said, I, I had only heard about you before but now I have seen you with my own eyes this is exactly what God wants to do with you he wants you to be able to see him with your own eyes for who he is you know the irony of the story is that Zacchaeus went to see Jesus but Jesus already was determined to see him he saw him he knew him. See, the psalmist reminds us in Psalm 130, 139 that, that you knew me before I was even born. You knew every hair on my head. You, you knit me and formed me in my mother's womb. You called me by name. And many in this room, some of you even believe you were an accident. And you don't even know that God knows you. Do you even know me? Do you know who I am? God reminds us that not only do I know you, I knew you in your mother's womb. I had a plan, I had a purpose for you and, and I'm, you're, you're a masterpiece to me. I created you and I, I, 
like this beautiful artist that painted this beautiful picture of your life and who you really are, your true self, your true identity. Some robbers, they came and they stole that, that picture and they, they took paint and they splattered on it and they smeared it with their dirty fingers and, and distorted it and, and um, messed up the image that, that God had made this beautiful masterpiece. And for many of us, the hurt, the wounds, our past, the things that we've experienced in this life have beat us up and, and, and messed up the image of God in us to where we're, we're broken and we've got walls and we don't even know who we really are. Yet Jesus is here and says, I, I've always known you. I've always loved you. And I want you to really know me. And it starts with seeing me for who I really am. So while Zacchaeus wanted to see him, Jesus already says, we love him because he first loved us. And for many of you, you've never encountered that love. You, You don't know what that feels like. You don't know the freedom to be forgiven because Jesus would go to the cross and he would take your sin and he would take my sin. He took my shame and my guilt, my brokenness. And by his wounds, we're healed. We're set free from sin. Our eyes become opened and they were blind before, but now I could see him for who he is. And that starts with surrendering your heart to him. There's many of you in the room, maybe you're in Eureka, maybe you're watching online, but that's your step. That's, that's how you get to Jesus is you allow him to free you, to open your eyes, to see him. It's called forgiveness and we receive it by repenting. So maybe you're here today, maybe you're online or in Eureka and you'd say, Pastor Lance, that's me. I, I want to be able to see Jesus for who he really is. I want to experience the depth of forgiveness and grace and love that he is. Maybe you've been away from him for a long time. Maybe you once experienced it, but the, the things of this world have crowded out the life of God in you. Today, you want to come back to him. I want to take a moment as we close. Just close your eyes right now. It's a holy moment. If that's you and you want to say, yes, I want to surrender my life to Jesus, would you just lift your hand? Right now, when Jesus calls, you act immediately. He said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately, quickly, right now. When Jesus is calling you and he's tugging on your heart, the time is now to respond immediately, right now. Don't even let your brain think about it, but let your heart say, yes, I need that. I want to see Jesus. Come on, shoot up your hand right now. There's some of you in this room that you know. God brought you here today for this very reason. God bless you. For you to know him and to see him. I want us to pray this prayer together. And that's you. That's to cry your heart. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus. Come on, everybody. Nice and loud. Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, as me. Today, I repent. I turn from my way and turn to you and I surrender. I surrender my sin, my wounds, my broken life. Will you come into my life and make all things new? Forgive me of my sin. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at hopechurchmt. Be blessed and have a great week.